prophecy of Zephaniah. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So we're at the near the end of the Old Testament. And I'm sure our children know that. They've learned the books of the Bible, haven't they? Zephaniah chapter 2. Gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation not desired. Before the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. For Gaza shall be forsaken, Ashkelon a desolation. They shall drive out Ashdod at the noonday, and Ekron shall be rooted up. Woe unto the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Kirithites. The word of the Lord is against you. O Canaan, the land of the Philistines, I will even destroy thee, that there shall be no inhabitant. And the seacoast shall be dwellings and cottages for shepherds and folds for flocks, and the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed thereupon. In the houses of Ashkelon shall they lie down in the evening, for the Lord their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. I have heard the reproach of Moab and the revilings of the children of Ammon, whereby they have reproached my people and magnified themselves against their border. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be as Sodom, and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah, even the breeding of nettles and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. The residue of my people shall spoil them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. This shall they have for their pride, because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be terrible unto them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and men shall worship him, every one from his place, even all the isles of the heathen. Ye Ethiopians also, ye shall be slain by my sword. And he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria and will make Nineveh a desolation and dry like a wilderness. And flocks shall lie down in the midst of her, all the beasts of the nations, both the cormorant and the bittern, shall lodge in the upper lintels of it. Their voice shall sing in the windows, desolation shall be in the thresholds he shall uncover the cedar work. This is the rejoicing city that dwelt carelessly, that said in her heart, I am, and there is none beside me. How is she become a desolation, a place for beasts to lie down in? Everyone that passeth by her shall hiss and wag his hand. 
On this occasion of preparatory, I call your attention this afternoon to the first three verses of Zephaniah chapter 2. Gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation not desired. Before the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, with great urgency did the prophet Zephaniah proclaim the word of the Lord to the children of Judah. With great urgency did he warn them of the coming day of God's just judgment. For they who laid claim to being the children of God had shown themselves idolaters, rejecters of God and of his word. Holding back nothing, Zephaniah boldly proclaimed all that Jehovah had given him to prophesy. And to this point, there had been no pleasant words. I will utterly consume all things from the land, saith the Lord. Jehovah coming to judgment. Jehovah coming to reveal his wrath, especially against those who claim to be the children of God. Jehovah coming to search Jerusalem with candles, to expose iniquity and to punish those who have settled on their lees, who live as though God is one who does not see nor hear. The great day of the Lord is near, so warned the prophet Zephaniah. And that word which God sent mercifully for the sake of his elect remnant continues to bear significance today and is proclaimed even now for our sakes, for all who belong to God's afflicted and poor people in the midst of this world who love him and who hear his word and will follow him must receive this word of God but having set forth that, that horrible, that great and terrible truth of the coming of the day of the Lord, Zephaniah shows now in these first three verses of chapter 2 the purpose of God in sending his prophet to preach those sharp warnings and words of judgment. Those who are indeed the people of God not according to the flesh, but by faith, are to be called to repentance, that they might show themselves the people of God. The elect remnant must be called apart unto righteousness and meekness. We must be called unto salvation. And the urgent call of the gospel comes to us in this text. It's a call to repentance and faith. You and I are called to seek Jehovah. 
And as we consider this urgent calling, I intend to follow the instruction of the text pretty much verse by verse. The theme of the text is called to seek Jehovah. I ask you to notice from the text four things concerning this call. An urgent call, a particular call, a defined call, and a fruitful call. An urgent call, as we see in the first two verses, a particular call, as it is addressed to the meek of the earth, verse 3, a defined call, which doesn't leave it up to men to determine what it is to seek Jehovah, but spells it out, seek righteousness, seek meekness, And then finally, a fruitful call, as we see in the last part of verse 3. That's how we intend to preach this text. In the first place, this call to seek Jehovah is an urgent call. Gather yourselves together, says the prophet. Gather yourselves together, O nation not desired. Having made proclamation of impending judgment, unavoidable judgment, Zephaniah issues the call to repentance. It is an urgent call, a serious call. It is the call of the gospel even as we continue to preach it today. It's the call of the gospel maintained by all Reformed churches that continue to stand in the truth of Dort. And I refer to the National Synod of Dortrecht and the Canons of Dort, one of our Reformed creeds. There, under the third and fourth heads of doctrine, Article 8, we are told that as many as are called by the gospel are unfeignedly called. God earnestly and truly declares what is acceptable to him, namely, that the wicked turn from their evil ways and live. So we see here in the prophecy of Zephaniah, the great mercy of God is revealed here in this urgent call. Here is revealed the truth that when God chastens us, and makes known to us our sins, when he even sets before us his wrath, he does so for the purpose of calling us into his fellowship by faith and in the way of repentance. That is not true of all who hear his rebukes and threatenings, you understand. In fact, if Zephaniah preached this word to the multitudes, the majority rejected it and would not hear it. But our canons explain from Scripture that response. In the third and fourth heads of the canons, Article 9, it is not the fault of the gospel nor of Christ offered therein. And by the way, when the canons use that term offer, they use it in the sense of the original meaning of that Latin term, 
in the sense of presented or set forth. It is not the fault of the gospel, nor of Christ presented therein, nor of God who calls men by the gospel and confers upon them various gifts, that those who are called by the ministry of the word refuse to come and be converted. The fault lies in themselves. Some of whom, when called, regardless of their danger, reject the word of life. Others, though they receive it, suffer it not to make a lasting impression on their heart. Therefore, their joy, arising only from a temporary faith, soon vanishes and they fall away, while others choke the seed of the word by perplexing cares and the pleasures of this world and produce no fruit. This our Savior teaches in the parable of the sower, Matthew 13. And then we read this in article 10, but that others who are called by the gospel obey the call and are converted is not to be ascribed to the proper exercise of free will, but must be wholly ascribed to God, who confers upon his people faith and repentance and rescues them from the power of darkness. In other words, beloved, the the text in the opening verses of Zephaniah 2 reveals to us that when the faithful covenant Jehovah sees us who are his rushing headlong toward destruction, he calls us back, even by sharp rebukes and chastisements and warnings. And so he tells us that when he chastens us, he will yet be merciful toward us, If when touched by his grace we flee to him in the godly sorrow of repentance, because so he calls those who are his. Gather yourselves together. That kind of gathering would be be well understood by the people of God. It would be the same kind of gathering to which the prophet Joel called the people, as we read in Joel 1 verse 14, Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord. It was to be a gathering where the true people of God, together, would express sincere repentance, true repentance, not that superficial outward appearance of repentance, I'm sorry, but heartfelt, God-honoring repentance. Yea, gather together, O nation not desired, Acknowledge before the face of God. You have made yourselves unworthy of his blessing. For all that he has given you by your place in the church, in the nation of Israel, you have shown yourselves abominable, worthy to be rejected. 
Gather yourselves in humility before Jehovah, for God will magnify his grace. He will show favor that you have altogether forfeited. There is no reason that he should save you, yet he continues to call you to himself. Hear his urgent call. Seek ye the Lord. The urgency of this call is even enhanced in verse 2. Before the decree bring forth, before the day passes the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. The prophet speaks of, of the Lord's decree bringing forth, that is giving birth, And he doesn't speak here of the hidden counsel of God. He speaks of the decree that has already been declared by God's servants. The doctrine which we proclaim is no empty dream. The message that we bring is one with divine authority, says the prophet. It carries with it great urgency. The preacher must preach with that urgency. For as it was in the days of Noah, when the Jews thought that all the threatenings would come to nothing, so it is in our day. Always there are those who come under the preaching of the gospel with its rebukes and admonitions and threatenings, as well as its promises. And they treat that gospel as if it were nothing more than empty words. But the prophet makes clear. He and the rest of God's faithful servants are not merely beating the air. When God proclaims his vengeance upon the impenitent, when he calls to repentance, we're not simply expecting Spending air from our lungs past our larynx and through our mouths. The preaching of God's word is a decree that is bringing forth and it shall not return void. As the unborn infant lies in the womb, so God's vengeance, though hidden for a time, shall come forth at the time appointed by God. There shall be no turning back. And once that comes, there will be no room for repentance. Now is the day of salvation, says the Lord. Urgent is the call. Still more, you are to heed this call, says the prophet, before the day pass as the chaff. Again, an expression that emphasizes the urgency of the call. The day referred to is explained as the day of Jehovah's fierce anger. It is the day when his righteousness shall be revealed before all men. And when all men shall receive the just reward of God's righteousness for all that they have done and said and stood for. That day shall pass as the chaff. Some think 
They have all kinds of time to get ready for God. They always have an excuse when confronted with God's word. But the call is an urgent call. Gather yourselves together unto repentance before the day pass as the chaff. It will pass quickly. Scripture often uses that figure of the chaff. And when it does, it usually refers to the quickly passing nature of chaff. It's quickly swept away. Prophet Hosea also issues a call to repentance, and the warning that accompanies that call is found in Hosea 13, verse 3, where speaking of the impenitent, he says, Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew that passeth away, as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor. And as the smoke out of the chimney. That's the figure Zephaniah also uses to point to the urgency of this call that he now proclaims to the children of Judah, the church, though God restrains for a time the outpouring of his full wrath, though he is long suffering toward us, toward his church, which he will surely save. The day comes suddenly when there shall be no more salvation. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Notice now, as we move into my second point, that we have before us a particular call. Zephaniah knows that God is not going to bring about a great revival in the land. The promiscuous multitude is hardened in their iniquity. Their hearts are hard to the preaching of the word. Zephaniah doesn't look for great numbers to be brought to salvation by his preaching. Nor do we. We could desire that. According to our earthly desires, we long for many to be brought to repentance and faith and to the joy of salvation. But God has revealed that such will not be the case in the last day. For even as it was in the last days of the Old Testament, so it is now in the last hour. God will gather his church He will do so by the preaching of the gospel. The white horse and his rider go forth victorious, even as we read in Revelation chapter 6. But we may not expect that God will gather multitudes in any particular place by the preaching of one of his servants. In fact, the days will become more and more difficult and the preaching of the gospel held up more and more to contempt. Even so, God will call his people. 
Here, too, there is instruction here for us today. John Calvin, in his commentary on this text, points out that we are taught here that though ministers of the word might sometimes think that they sing to the deaf and labor to no purpose, they ought not depart from the course of their calling to preach the gospel faithfully and persistently. God will surely use the prophetic labors of his servants to gather his people. There will always be those, though it takes a long time in some cases, who will be wonderfully saved so as not to perish with those who persist in their opposition to God's word. Zephaniah surely preached in the confidence that God is powerful to save and that his prophetic office had not been committed to him in vain. Although the greater part are given over to their sin, God has a remnant that shall surely be saved, and they must be called. By name they must be called. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth. Forget what the multitudes say or how they live. Don't use them for your example. The multitudes will not hear this call to turn from their evil ways. Even where this call goes forth, many will not receive it. To them, this call is mere words. The significance of this call, its urgency, the way of salvation marked out by it, is not revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. As Jesus explains it, many are called, but few are chosen. And so he says to his heavenly Father, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. When God raises his voice, as it were, with warnings and rebukes, and there are those who reject his word and the judgment seen throughout the earth, you must not follow them. If you're going to run with the majority, you're going to find yourself in the wrong company come the day of judgment. For it's a simple fact, seen very clearly in our day, if you evaluate things in the light of Scripture, the majority reject God's word when it comes to setting forth the sinfulness of sin and the holiness of our God. Great sins, all of which offend God. Every sin. But great sins are made little. And little sins are said to be no sins at all. Examples can be multiplied. Taking God's name in vain by euphemism or by the common ex exclamation of his virtues. That's not counted sin. 
ignorance of the truth after sitting for years under gospel preaching? That's not sin. Blind, heartless devotion to in God's service? Why, that's not sin. How dare one say that a faithful church member walks in sin? Backtalk to parents and superiors, those in authority? Not sin anymore. Simply standing up for one's rights. Seeking self-respect. Going to bed with another man's wife is not sin. If they've been divorced. Backbiting of fellow Christians. No big thing. That's the thinking of the majority in our day. Some are simply ignorant of the scriptures. Others reject God's word and will not have his rebuke. And those who are hardened by the word rarely receive that word or reject that word quietly. Almost invariably, they attempt to lead others with them into their ruin. But the prophet turns away from them. He focuses his call on a particular people. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth. The meek, quite simply, are those who have been subdued, whose pride has been shredded by the word of God. Their once rebellious natures have been reined in by the power of God's grace as his word explained the chastisements which God had brought upon them because of their sin and for their correction. They are those who recognize God as precious, as Lord over them, who long more and more to do his precepts. Zephaniah calls all those who would be submissive to God, though they be only a remnant, Will you hear the word of the Lord? Will you submit to him? Has the spirit worked in you to subdue your rebellious sinful nature? To give you to recognize your great sin? That after all is something that you must see in yourself as you prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper. You have wrought God's judgment. Are you aware of that? You have stoked his great wrath because of your sin. I have too, beloved. We're left without hope in ourselves. Do you confess that? Then you belong to the meek. 
And I preach to you who are the meek of the earth. When you belong to the meek of the earth, it will also be seen of you that you have a fervent desire to humble yourself before the face of God and before God's word and to hear that word, to take it to yourself. When chastisements touch our life, we know that we have received nothing beyond what we have deserved. We are stimulated to greater diligence in, in our spiritual lives because we know that we have never fully performed our duty before God. No matter how much we have devoted ourselves to seeking and serving God, we know that this word still applies very much to ourselves. Seek ye the Lord. But this calling to seek Jehovah, an urgent calling, and one particularly addressed in God's mercy, is also a defined call. In the first place, let us notice the simple call to seek Jehovah. To seek him is to give him the place of primacy in our lives. The exhortation to seek calls us to focus our attention upon Jehovah, upon his word. It calls us to focus upon him in the same way that a man who has lost a diamond in a pile of sawdust will search for that diamond. He will sift carefully through that pile, section by section, seeking that precious possession that is his. You and I are called to do the same with him who is our Savior. Implied, involved in that calling to seek are several things that become clear when you search or study that term in the light of Scripture. Take a concordance and you will find more than 200 references to the term seek. Many of them references to seeking the Lord. That biblical reference to seeking the Lord teaches us several things. We find, for example, in Proverbs 8, verse 17, that involved in such seeking of Jehovah is love. To seek Jehovah is an expression of love to him. And the Lord tells us, therefore, I love them that love me. And they that seek me early shall find me. Seeking Jehovah involves a fervent and heartfelt desire to live in the enjoyment of his fellowship. So you and I are called to show by our lives the song of the psalmist in our song, Psalm, Psalm 63. Verses 1 and 2, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. 
My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. So there we see that involved in that seeking is the meditation of his wondrous works, his power and his glory. To seek Jehovah, therefore, involves study and meditation, the activity of the mind. If you don't want to put your mind to work, then you cannot seek the Lord either. To seek the Lord is to look to him as the absolutely sovereign God who alone has given us a place among his people. It is to look to him as our only Savior who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. But also involved in seeking the Lord is this, that we humble ourselves before him, acknowledging the greatness of our sin. We find the truth expressed in Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel seeks the Lord. We read in Daniel 9, verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He did so with heartfelt sorrow for sin. Sorrow which acknowledged the holiness of God. To seek Jehovah is to abandon our pride. No wonder that those who are hard-hearted and rebellious will not seek Jehovah. Psalm 10, verse 4 explains it. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. But there's one other thing that we must understand. This seeking Jehovah is part of our life, the central part, only by the wonder of God's grace. Else you and I will not seek him. God calls us, beloved. When you are his, he calls you powerfully and irresistibly. He speaks to your soul. Seek ye my face. And we respond. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. That we read in Psalm 27, verse 8. But more specifically, the calling... To seek Jehovah is defined by the following two exhortations in our text. Seek righteousness. Clearly, that does not mean that you are to seek your righteousness in yourself or in your works. The Israelites long before had proved 
that their own righteousness could avail them nothing. The righteousness which comes by works of the law had been seen far out of their reach. The only way one could even begin to maintain an attitude of self-righteousness was by a very superficial and erroneous view of sin. That we see in the example of the Pharisees. But that must also be understood by us. Our righteousness must be found outside ourselves, in another. And that other is Jesus Christ, whom we set before you in the gospel. Seek for your righteousness in the Messiah, God's own Son. Come to save you from your sins. He alone has the righteousness that stands forever. The call to seek Jehovah is a call to seek him in the face of Jesus Christ, the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's how you must come to the table of the Lord next Sunday morning, God willing. That first of all. Then we may also see that that calling to seek righteousness involves the calling also to form our life according to the righteousness of God's precepts. Christ first, obedience second. And the two are inseparable. Without Christ, there can be no true obedience. With Christ... There must be obedience to his righteous precepts. That's a spiritual necessity. That is seen in Isaiah 51 verse 1 where the prophet speaks the word of the Lord this way. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. The two you see are inseparable. To follow after righteousness goes hand in hand with seeking the Lord. Repentance is seen by conformity to God's precepts. Love for God is seen in love for his word. The call is further defined by this. Seek meekness. And here... The prophet exhorts us to cultivate true humility, to place ourselves in willing subjection, not only to God's word, but to God's ways with us. The Apostle Peter had the same thing in mind when he wrote 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now bear in mind, the prophet is speaking to those who've already been subdued by God's word and spirit, 
but they were also those who had their life in the midst of this world with all its present difficulties. He speaks to those who, having examined their own lives and consciences, knew that they were not without sin, even much sin. And they found themselves in a world that tried their faith continually. It's not easy to remain subject to God in the face of all the temptations and trials and opposition. And when we also are touched by the righteous judgments of God, we must not question God's ways with us, but show ourselves the meek of the earth. That's our calling, beloved. Jehovah God sends his word, calling you and me, even as he did his people through the word of Zephaniah. That call continues even to the end of the world, just as urgent, just as particular, just as defined. Hear the word of God. This call is also a fruitful call. It may be, says the prophet, Ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Again, do not misunderstand. The prophet does not speak with doubt as though the faithful are to be uncertain of their deliverance by God. That expression, it may be, is an expression rarely used in scripture. But what it expresses is the powerlessness and unworthiness of man. We stand before a need that cannot be taken care of by us. We are dependent entirely upon the mercies of God for his deliverance in that great day of his anger. But when all things appear hopeless and desperate, we must understand there is no deficiency in the love of God for the meek of the earth. Seek ye the Lord. Though by this same proclamation the hard-hearted and rebellious must know that they shall surely perish, you who are the meek of the earth are ready, are called by Jehovah unto himself. He is ready to pardon ready to conceal you from his anger in the very bosom of his own dear son. Such is the great mercy of our God. When this call of God is effective unto salvation, as is his good pleasure in those who are his, you shall be saved in that day of his great anger. By the power of his spirit and grace, God calls you who are his. He says to you, seek ye my face. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. Hear his word, beloved. Then when the fan of his judgment blows upon the wicked and reveals them as chaff, Jehovah looking upon you in Jesus Christ, will find you already fanned and cleansed by his word 
His judgment shall blow over you, leaving you untouched. You're sheltered by your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And therefore you shall be taken to glory. Only that old sinful nature being left behind. And you shall be perfected. The remnants of chaff no longer clinging to you. And as pure wheat in the heavenly garners and mansions of glory. You shall be seen reflecting the golden glory of the grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, once again we stand before thy word, having heard the call of the gospel. When thou dost so reveal thyself to us as the righteous judge of all the universe, and as the one who is coming in the day of thine anger, to execute judgment on all those who oppose thee and thy word. We pray that thou wilt call us by thy word to righteousness and meekness, that we may humble ourselves before thee, repent of our great and many sins, and see the salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord. So work in our hearts, O God, until we at last enter that blessed rest which thou hast promised to us who love thee. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen.